1: what is it is a oh, bonus. gets around. Oh, and
0: yeah. it's it yeah. yeah. skies high for the jam. Mentor. Oh, Miles oh. Turner oh. bringing that smoke! Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Well, you got it sitting the face, and I think that's terrific.
2: What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and I'm joined today by the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, happy pie day to you.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, You know, I want to have a slice of pie in honor of that win, because, Alex, we are back. A win over the Suns But Karis LaVert's Pacer debut. Couldn't have really went much better in terms of getting the dub.
2: Absolutely agree. And one of the most beautiful things was Sabonis got a triple-double in the game. Brogden really played well. The bench played well. Miles Turner played well. It just seemed like a completely different team, Foch. It did, and that's what's never gonna show up in the box score because it
1: felt like having LeVert in the lineup like injected life into this team. At times, the ball movement was phenomenal. It, it had you asking, like, who, who is this team? Where have they been? Because it just looked like the Pacers were clicking. I mean, the third quarter coming out, out from halftime, the Pacers really pounced all over Phoenix. Even the second quarter, that second and third quarter was some really good
2: pacer basketball, and they never looked back. Oh, I know. And it was it was frustrating to watch the game before this one because they should have beat the Lakers. There's no doubt yeah. about it. They oh just that awful fourth quarter, they they started playing stupid basketball. They started speeding up how they were playing, bad passes, bad shot attempts. I said, who is this team? Like, what are we doing? Like, we were playing so good to start the first three quarters. I'm like, we're really keeping that lead, you know. The Lakers were lurking the whole time. But then you, you see LaVert come back. You know, everybody's excited. We're all staying up late to hear his um, press conference after the Lakers loss, And we knew what it was. We knew he was coming back. But, man, I tell you what, it was just it was just awesome to see him out there. And I won't lie, when I found that news out Friday, I was absolutely stunned that he was going to be back for this game against the Suns.
1: Oh, my God. I was telling everybody, even people who did not care at all, I had to let them know this was must-see TV. And just having Levert out there, I I felt like, you know, I wanted to tamper my expectations. Look, it's not like this was going to be the second coming of Michael Jordan, but I knew we were (laughs) going to get another playmaker on the roster, active, on the court, someone that can not have us be so predictable. And I think it went a long way because, look, he did look a little bit rusty. He did. and But I thought that he came out there aggressive, second most shots on the team. And you could see the little things that he did that, unfortunately, no offense, but, you know, McDermott, Lamb, Justin Holiday, it's just, it's stuff that's not in your
2: bag of tricks. And LaVert was able to, have a pretty deep bag last night. Oh, no, there's no doubt about it. I was I was thinking the same thing. I thought, man, this is a little bit rusty for him. Um, just you know, but I expected that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I didn't expect anything less than a little bit of rust from from Karis. But I will say that after he kind of shook that rust off in the second quarter, got him a couple baskets to go there in a row, he really just started looking for his shot kind of playing the game, but not forcing. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I really wanted. But um, not to be like a box score watcher like crazy, but I thought it was really interesting that he was second in field goal attempts last night.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I was just mentioned before, 14 field goal attempts, I thought was was good because, yeah, he only played 27 minutes. So it shows that he was aggressive in that span, but it was great because I would rather in a game where the Pacers were up by as, as, as much as 20 at times to be able to get him those shots mm-hmm. where it's not going to hurt the team. And, you know, we can't overlook that, Seven rebounds. I mean, Alex, you and I have talked about nonstop how bad the Pacers' rebounding has been, that it's got to be a collective effort. If you can plug in a guy like reverton look, we're not going to count on seven rebounds a game, but if he can give you five to six rebounds per game, it's going to go a long way. And mm-hmm. just the simple fact of it, he drew attention from the defense last night that. For, for too long, we've seen all the tension on Brogdon, all the tension on Sabonis that Levert just en- enables everybody to spread out a little bit more.
2: Yeah, it's not even the spreading out to me, Foch. It's more about just getting to the basket. Yeah. Because, like, Brogdon is okay at it, but he does the same reverse layup because his vertical is not that great. And he doesn't really blow by guys. He uses his strength. There's a, there's a gift that the Pacers shared, and it's it's basically just him getting his shoulder into Dario Sarge and getting the and-one call. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just you go back and you see that. It's like this is what this team is missing so much right here because they just didn't have that. You know, you're asking McDermott and Holiday to fill in for you as starters right now without Levert, and then it just showed. Like Turner's not someone that's going to be able to take some off the dribbles. The so bonus mm-hmm. really doesn't do that at all. And Brogdon doesn't do that at all. And then, of course, the guards really don't either. I mean, uh, Aaron Holiday or Lamb might be your best option at trying to get to the basket and creating their own shot. It's just like they don't have a lot of that. And and missing him and Warren was just – we kept talking about it every week because it was so true. And and then you see it like he had some really nice passes too that I I, I love the one that he had in the second quarter, I believe. Maybe it was the first, but he led Brogdon on like a long pass. start a fast break and it's like just stuff like that like I know a lot of people were trying to like downplay the fact that he's a great playmaker with us whenever we were talking about it but I just think little things like that just getting a guy that's bigger out there that can guard bigger wings um and get to the basket and put pressure on the defense is really going to help this team
1: it really is I mean look the box score is not going to show it as well just two assists but this guy is a playmaker Like, like I've said it before I remember game one against the Raptors 15 assists in last year's playoffs. There's going to be games where, a ton of games, where they think will have, you know, six to 10 assists. I mean, even earlier this year, I'm looking at some numbers right now. You know, 10 assists against Philly, uh, 11 assists against Memphis, eight assists against the Hawks. He's going to have games where he's putting up, you know, seven assists, eight assists, it's going to happen. And that takes so much pressure off of Brogdon because we've talked about it before. Well, Brogdon might average seven assists. He's not going to be the guy that's going to get you double-digit assists, back-to-back games, or on a nightly basis. It's just not who he is. But LaVert just adds that playmaker we've been starving for since
2: Oladipo was traded. Yeah, and I think J. Michael brought this up in one of his tweets. You know, you you can see Malcolm play off ball more. (laughs) And, And that's one of the things that Malcolm was so great at in Milwaukee, and it just makes him not have as much pressure. Like, he can still get to the basket at times, you know, He's not bad at it. He's just not great at it, you know? So I think, like, if you don't have that pressure of always trying to get to the basket or always trying to create something or always have to be the reliable scorer uh, and you can kind of be the secondary guy, you know, I I think that really helps. And I don't know if you saw, but this morning I threw a tweet out there and I said, what are your thoughts on Karis LeVert after his Pacers debut? I wanted to hear from the fans on Twitter. Got a good amount of replies, but I think the biggest point that people kept bringing up was that rebounding. And I think P.J. McAllister at P.J.11 had it best. They said, you could tell his energy was such an impact. His ability to be a playmaker made it finally not feel like the Brogdon and bonus show for 48 minutes. Oh, and the rebounding was amazing too. I think that really is a great way to sum up just the impact that Karris Levert has on this team. You
1: nailed it right on the head right there. I mean, it's just the players, though. They looked livelier. It's like they believed more, and it's like – if that's a real thing. I mean, when when you, you know, and you've, you've been going through the motions and you're losing, when, when you get down, it's like, all right, you know, hey, it might not be tonight. But I just felt like he, like I mentioned before, injected life into this team. You saw on the free throw line when he got his first point, Sabonis cheering. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody wanted to be a part of that. Like Like they've been rooting him on, and it just – I don't know. It just gives the Pacers an extra pep in their step. And look, this isn't just any win. This is the Phoenix Suns that are playing really good basketball this year. To to put it in perspective, they had won 14 of 16. They're second in the West. Yesterday they had second best record in the league. They're also one of the better defensive units, top five in points per game allowed. I mean, the Pacers were running away with this game. The box score might say we won by 11, but if the Pacers really had their foot on the gas the whole game, I I think it could have been more than that. The last, you know, five, six minutes or so, the lead trickled down to like nine. The Pacers were in control pretty much all game, except for the first quarter.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was getting a little nervous there in the fourth quarter just because of, you know, some PTSD from the season. And then you got like Abdul Nader dropping 14 points on the Pacers. Yeah, but I think that was, you know, a good thing uh, because Jay Crowder was one of eight for two points. Chris Paul was two of 10 for eight points. And, I mean, excuse me, Jake Ryder was only at two points. He was one of eight. And then Frank Kaminsky had two points as well. And he played 13 minutes as a starter. So, you know, I was just – I was a little bit worried just because, you know, it's just the way the Pacers have been playing. And I knew Levert wasn't going to play a ton of minutes. He ended up playing 27, which is a, a good amount of minutes. But I think we can say it. Road McDermott's back, Fachi. Road oh McDermott's back.
1: I loved it. I lo- and, like, look – Yes, it's just one game moving him back to the bench. But the fact that he's, you know, 9 of 13, 22 points and 26 minutes off the bench, it's like that's the McDermott that I like off the bench instead of getting kind of a little bit lost in the shuffle in the starting lineup. He can be more of a focal point with that second unit. And, you know, a game like this, I mean, you're not going to get 22 a night out of McDermott. You're not. But it just feels like – LaVert in the starting lineup allows other guys to not have to do too much, not have to force shots, and be more comfortable in their roles. And McDermott was the prime example of that.
2: Yeah, and it was kind of nice to see Sabonis, McConnell, and McDermott back together with that second unit. They had Aaron Holiday out there last night with – um who was the fifth guy? Was it – um Oh, Sumner, 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 Sumner. Yeah, Yeah, so McDermott, Sumner, Aaron Holiday, McConnell, and Sabonis. And I thought that second unit played pretty well. I I hate to say it, Fachi, but I didn't see anybody complaining about Sabonis' 43 minutes last night. (laughs) Not a peep about it. (laughs) And so it's like, yeah, it's like he I didn't even realize he played that much until I looked at the box score. It didn't even feel like he played the whole 43 minutes. I mean, sure, I, I knew he was out there a while, but He was so efficient last night as as well. 9 of 13, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, 22 points. Sabonis was just making things happen for everybody. And him and McDermott have such a two-man game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great two-man game between them. It's known, the chemistry there. But it just felt like – I don't want to say these are like quiet triple-doubles, but I think maybe just a lot of our attention was on Karis LeVert yesterday because Mm -hmm. we were all just been waiting so long. But – I mean, the, the starting lineup just in general, I know Justin Holiday struggled a bit, but it was a kind of quiet game for him. But, I mean, even Miles Turner played a really good game, but Sabonis just across the board in every category just played really well. And yeah. I, I just feel like that allows Sabonis not to have what we talked about before. He doesn't have to put up 20 shots or 18 shots and kind of have some of them being forced You know, you saw Brogdon, 8 of 16. Like, these were efficient numbers. Monster 7 of 8. Like, Uh, Levert was the guy that was almost like, I don't want to say forcing shots, but just trying to get into a rhythm. And I think that this will allow, you know, he said this was only basically the second time he got to play 5-on-5 ball. So his legs are going to get underneath him. And I think the Pacers could be a more efficient team moving forward. Are they going to shoot 53% each time? No, they might not do that. but. I just think that guys are going to be able to not force things as much.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing about Lavert like while it's all great for offense and stuff, the defensive end of things has been was huge last night because mm-hmm. he can guard bigger wings. Like as much as we like McDermott, he's a guy that's not going to really be able to lock anybody down no matter the circumstance. So it's like he's always it always feels like McDermott's a defensive liability especially going up against starting wings in the NBA. And we know that Phoenix has some good wings out there with Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges. So I was I was glad to see um, Karis Levert back out there defensively, you know, everything is just rusty for him. I, he's going to get better. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's not even 100% himself, and everybody was so excited with his performance. The team just really stepped up their game as well. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You said that Justin Holiday didn't have a great shooting night, but still impactful on, on the defensive end, yeah. and that's what's so great oh, about having course. him, Brogdon, and Karras out on the perimeter. Those guys can switch everything. And, you know, we know that, you know, McCarthy, Malcolm is probably the the guy that's the slowest out of those three, as far as you know, switching and stuff like that. But he does great against bigger bigger wings. I feel like, and I mean, Sabonis had four steals last night. Had a block. Turner had wow. four blocks. I mean, and that block that Sabonis had, I believe it was on Sarge, was unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I just <laughs> you know, it's just I think it's just more of an anomaly because you're not used to seeing Sabonis do that. But I just I think if this team like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, this team can get back to their defensive power. Uh, powers they they can really be something special, and that's what we saw with the bench unit as well. From Aaron Holiday, Edmund Sumner, and T.J. McConnell, those guys were playing terrific with great energy in last night's game. Even though Aaron and Edmund only played about uh, you know ten minutes combined, uh, ten minutes together. I mean separately, twelve and nine for both of them in that with that second unit.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about before how, you know, you can't let the defensive side of things be impacted by the offensive side of things. When the Pacers weren't making shots, kind of, you know, holding their head down and just really, you know, getting down on themselves a bit. But it didn't seem like a surprise that when they were hitting shots, they were also doing it on both ends of the floor. And like last night, I mean, I tweeted out the Pacers, they were just flowing
2: on the offensive side. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff.
0: Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our
2: economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And the defensive side of things. There was a span in the third quarter where they just kept forcing turnovers that they were able to turn into points. And I mean, that's how you win basketball games. The Pacers are never going to be the team to continuously light up the scoreboard and hang, you know, 130 a night on you. It's never going to happen. I mean, maybe, you know, 10 years from now and no one's playing defense at all, but for the Pacers, a large part of their wins has always been from the defensive side of things. We need to get back to that. And, and like we said before, Karis Lavert, he's no chop liver defender. You know, he's going to be a better defender than, you know, your McDermott's and your Jeremy Lamb. So I'm looking forward to it. I, it just feels like finally there's there's an excitement back in Pacer basketball.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, we don't really know much about his defense because it's not talked about enough. So it, it made you feel like, oh, is Lavert really a good defender? It's like I'm still trying to figure out what kind of defender he is. But um, I think with the size and just his basketball IQ and – the, the way this team is ran and the way they play together, I think he'll be completely fine on the defensive end. But I want to get to a guy that was a late scratch, had a sore left knee, and that's Jeremy Lamb. Someone that was out of the rotation last night. They went with a 10-man rotation. Goga played three minutes, so it was more of a nine-man rotation. But I, I got to say, Fachi. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Jeremy Lamb at all because I like him as a person. I think his story is incredible. But just how bad he's been on defense this year – it really feels like um, he he might be the odd man out once everybody's fully healthy.
1: Yeah, it, it's tough because for Lamb, his play when he came back to from his injury was so above where it probably should have been mm-hmm. that it's it's finally just kind of come back down to earth. And I'm wondering if I know he just missed the game you know, yesterday, sore left knee, he missed missed the game against the Knicks, I believe it was. Oh no, that's Brogdon. He missed the following game. Um, It just feels like I hope there's not going to be some lingering injuries that come with, you know, he had been off sideline for a year. Defensively, yes, Alex, has not been good. It's been pretty rough lately. But offensively, I I don't know if you've taken a look at it. Lamb's taken a bit of a dive lately in his last six games, averaging 6.8 points per game on 31% shooting. The three-point shooting, which looked great, is now three of sixteen from three in his last six games. It's it's not it's not looking good on either side of the floor. So defensively, no. yes, it's been it's been real rough. But now offensively, he's taken a solid dip.
2: No, he really has. I'm, maybe it's just part of like coming back, like with the injury. Maybe he's still got some things lingering. Who knows? I Think so. But I just. I said it on, on Friday night's game. I said nothing personal, but I think that they really ought to trade him. So um, we looked at some different McDermott trade ideas, but I think that the guy that might be the more likely to be traded is 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 Jeremy Lamb. So let's take a quick break, and let's come back and talk a little bit about why we think he should be the guy that is moved if there is a move for the Pacers. All right, everybody, we're back. And Fauci, I mean, let, let's just talk about it before we get into trade ideas. Why do you think the team should trade Jeremy Lamb?
1: Well, here's the thing with Lamb. He's still appealing to teams. I mean, he's still like, you know, it's not that he's having a bad year by any means. He's, he's a, a six-five, you know, guy that could play the two, play the three. He's averaging basically 11 points per game. And if you want to go from a sheer numbers perspective, yeah, he's shooting just under 44% from three. Um, the, con- the contract isn't bad at all. It expires next year at roughly $10.5 million. I mean, it's it's a very – Good amount where you don't need to make a blockbuster trade. But, you know, for the Pacers also, it depends what you're going to get back. I mean, maybe the Pacers could use it as flexibility for, you know, re-signing TJ Warren. Or maybe you want to bring in someone who has a couple of years left on the deal. Or maybe just, hey, kind of get a bigger push now. But Jeremy Lamb, he fits a lot of different teams. Just right now for the Pacers, they need a little bit more. They need more of a wing.
2: See, and when when it comes to Jeremy Lambert, for me, I just don't really know what his value is amongst the league. I think it's lower than people probably would expect, just because what we're seeing, I'm sure these teams are seeing as well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you're not going to get a a, a game-changing player for him, more than likely, unless you attach stuff to it. And, you know, I, I really think when it comes down to it, if they don't trade him, you know, he's an expiring deal next year. If they try to make a move in the off season to try to get somebody that's got a little bit more of a salary, you could attach him to you know one of the bigs or one of the wings if you decide to move on from one of the wings or something like that, or do a sign and trade something like he's got enough of a salary where you could figure out a way to get that to work. But I think if you're looking at maybe wanting to re-sign McDermott and McConnell in the off season, maybe a trade, Liam to a team that's got some expiring contracts, but. It's uh, we've got different ideas here, Fachi. So I'll let you kick it off. What uh, what's your first Jeremy Lamb trade idea?
1: All right, now I don't have these necessarily prioritized into this is the number one deal that I want, but I I have about you know roughly seven to eight deals over here. So I think a couple of these could pan out. But what are your thoughts on the first deal? It's going to be Jeremy Lamb going to Portland for Derek Jones Jr. and your boy Harry Giles. Now, if Portland wants, they can have their pick of Keelan Martin or Jim McHugh, But Derek Jones, you're getting athleticism. You're getting someone who can also hit the three. You're getting someone who could defend. Pretty decent shot blocker. Harry Giles, not really sure, you know, exactly where he could fit in. But at the same point, you know, he's still young enough. I still think you can roll the dice there. And for Portland, I think this gives him an opportunity to, uh, you know, continue to push forward.
2: Yeah, I think they hang the phone upon us, to be honest with you. Good. I, yeah, I think Derek Jones Jr. is a good basketball player, and he's still a defensive presence there for Portland. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've got the offense with Dame. And, and when CJ comes back, hopefully, and Nurkic, you know, once they get fully healthy – uh, I'm not. I'm not too worried about that team with the offensive side of things. I, I I worry more about their defense. And I think Derek Jones Jr. Well, I think he was a little bit overhyped as a pickup this offseason for Portland. I mean, when they were talking about him going to Portland, they were like, "Oh, they're going to be a three seed now." I was like, "What are we talking about? Like, just because they got Derek Jones Jr.?" I, I was trying to figure out where all the uh, the Portland hype came from. I'm trying to think if they got anybody else. Oh, they got Robert, yeah, Robert Covington. Covington. Right, right, right. And I'm like, but still, I just didn't think they were going to leapfrog some of those upper echelon teams in the in the Western Conference. But I was just like, okay, like, cool, Rocco is a great player, but, like, they still have uh, some issues there. But, yeah, I mean, if, when I look at that Portland team, like, maybe if you inserted Rodney Hood instead and did it, like, straight up, something like that, because I think Rodney Hood's got a, a similar salary to Jeremy Lamb's. That might be something that works. But yeah, I I, I feel like Portland says no on that one, Fletch.
1: Yeah, I have no interest in Rodney Hood really right now. I, <laughs> I think that at that point, you might be better off keeping Jeremy Lamb. But yeah, hey, if Portland turns it down, that's fine. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is a player that I would like to add to this team off the bench. I think he would be a good, uh, good, you know, depth guy that could, you know, give them quality minutes for a good 20, 20 plus minutes a game, 20 to 25 if, if you can, you know, find it. But uh, I understand if they don't do the deal, but uh, what do you got?
2: Yeah, so my next three trades that I give to you are going to be more like basically trying to get off Lamb's salary for next year to get an expiring contract this year. So my first one, I'm going to go to Atlanta, and we're going to we're gonna look at acquiring Tony Snell, uh, the man that just hit a big game winner. Uh, we're just going to do a straight-up trade, Jeremy Lamb to Atlanta for Tony Snell, and we're going to reunite Coach McMillan and Jeremy Lamb.
1: Okay, I do know in this situation. I want to say because I looked at this trade, I believe Tony Snell makes about two million dollars more.
2: But it, it works because of the trade exception for the Oladipo okay. trade, so we're All good.
1: Right. So you got so it's just Snell straight up for for uh, for Lamb. Lamb.
2: It's basically you're getting off that second year of Lamb to get Snell for the rest of this year, and then he's a he's a free agent, which would give you more cap space to reacquire McDermott and McConnell without going over the luxury tax.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to clearing some money because, like I said, I I do want the Pacers to be able to re-sign TJ Warren without a doubt uh, and then also have some money left over. So it's not a bad idea. I think this year the Pacers probably could take a hit on that deal. Tony Snell is not going to be giving you much more offensively, but I think defensively you're getting a better defender. Um, So it's, it's intriguing.
2: I think it's pretty equal value. I don't think either guy moves the needle. Whatever. It's just it's like kind of a boring trade. It's yeah. not my favorite out of the ones that I've got there, but it's one that I think's interesting. So, uh, but not overly interesting. So, what's your next one, Flash?
1: So my next one, uh, it's a, I just I can't get him out of my head. I think I need him back, man. I, it's like a, an ex girlfriend that you know you still you still kind of think a little bit from time to time. And that's George Hill. All right. Yeah. This is Jeremy Lamb and a second round pick for George Hill. Now, George Hill's contract, like I mentioned, if it doesn't work out, it's super favorable because it's non-guaranteed. Only $1.2 million is guaranteed if he is not waived by June 30th. You're getting a better defender who can play, you point guard, shooting guard right over there, a guy that would want to be in Indiana, obviously, given his ties to Indiana. You know OKC wants to get at least a pick. I know you mentioned you think maybe they could buy him out. If they're going to buy him out, sure, that's one thing. But it also... Gets Lamb's contract off the books if this doesn't work out. So for you know contract for contract wise, it works out. Second round pick. The Pacers have numerous of them. George Hill, you're getting a three and D guard.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I I have a George Hill trade, but it's a three team trade. I'll run it by you. I ran a a similar one by Tony East last week. So if you guys heard that, I apologize. But I did some. I did some um, altering to it. So we got Jeremy Lamb and Aaron Holiday to Orlando. George Hill and Terrence Ross to Indiana, and then Doug McDermott to Oklahoma City. Um, You know, I I don't really think that, and maybe you throw in a second-round pick there with Doug just so they can, you know, have some reason to make the trade, but George obviously uh, makes a lot of sense here with this team, and I think Terrence Ross does too, based on who you're giving up. I think that the original trade that I had had Aaron Holiday going to OKC with Michael Carter-Williams and McDermott and Lamb going to Orlando, but I think – that if they can hold on to MCW and then get a young player, Aaron Holiday, it might be, you know, worth the risk of letting Terrence Ross go. But at the same time, I don't really know if they still would do it, Orlando, because I know they're kind of being like particular in what they want. But I I still think that if we could somehow get George Hill and Terrence Ross, that'd be nice.
1: Oh, if we can get George Hill and Terrence Ross, that's a really good deal for the Pacers. I mean I would imagine on, on trade machine, that's got to have the Pacers, you know, increasing by quite a few wins, at least like three or four wins or something. Probably
2: not. I'll look. <laughs> Go ahead. I, you never know.
1: But where you're at right there, I like it because I actually had a trade for Lamb and Aaron Holiday for Terrence Ross. And if we had to throw in a second-round pick, I was still in. So, basically, in your trade, we're including McDermott and still getting Terrence Ross and George Hill. So, I like it. I just feel like the Pacers would not necessarily make such a big deal by trading Lamb, Aaron Holiday, and McDermott at this point. But make no mistake, if we can get Terrence Ross and or George Hill in a deal like that, I like it a lot.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm almost there. I've almost got it pulled up here on um on trade NBA. So I'm gonna try it real quick. It says <laughs> no change in projected wins for the Pacers. Uh, plus six plus easy. six for the magic and minus six for the thunder
1: <laughs> oh that might have the magic out on this because they do not want to win clearly i mean they are it's going to be tough i think oh. that they
2: are going to be sellers i don't think it's going to matter if they're, if they're, if they're <laughs> terrence ross has been unbelievable for lamb and holland i don't think that would make that big of a difference <laughs> yeah i mean i
1: who knows and i think the magic really kind of want to start this rebuild and get that top pick so if, yeah. they, if they're looking to get off Terrence Ross, I think there's going to be a lot of callers, a lot of suitors. Um, Hey, if we're able to work either my deal of Lamb and Aaron Holiday for Terrence Ross, if we have to throw in a second round pick, I like it. Your deal, it almost seems too good to be true. If we can get George Hill and and uh, Terrence Ross in the same deal, I mean, I'll sign on it right now.
2: Yeah, it, it sounds too good to be true. And, and then I'm gonna go back to another trade here, Fachi. Uh this is gonna be between the Kings and the and the Pacers. And it's actually gonna save the Pacers a couple million dollars here, but we're gonna trade Jeremy Lamb straight up to the Kings for Nimanja Bialitza. Uh expiring wow. contract about seven and a half million dollars. He's a he's a stretch four. I think the Pacers could use another backup four. Just with that second unit, I know the the defense wouldn't be good. But if you've seen Jeremy Lamb play this year, the defense has not been good anyway. He gives you some size, and I actually contacted uh, Locked On Kings uh, host. I believe his name is Matt George. If I'm if I'm remembering right, he came on our show last year, and uh, yeah, Matt George is his name is at Matt George Radio on Twitter, and he said that he does think that that deal would get through, and thought it made a lot of sense. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned before on this show, I have a soft spot for Belica. I really do. So I looked at that trade at one point myself. I would be on board for that. While is not shooting as good from three as he has in the past, he's still a very capable three-point shooter. I think he would be a real solid addition off the bench, you know, for the Pacers, giving them great depth at the four. Um, You know, could also play the five. I like him at the four. But I I would do that deal. I mean, you're – you're shedding you're setting Lamb's salary for next year. You're getting help now immediately. I think the Pacers could use more help at the backup four than, you know, Jeremy Lamb, where now you got Levert coming back, you know, you can play the two. You want to get Edmund Sumner minutes at the two. Aaron Holiday can also play the two. It's like they have
2: more depth at the two than they do the four. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. We need we need some people at that size. And I exactly. think that it could help us. And I know like He's not a guy that moves the needles. People are like, ah, just be Eliza. But um, I just I like the fact that he's an expiring as well, yeah. and, it, and it really does. well, like I said, give you some extra money and some wiggle room there. So what's what's your next trade, Fudge? And, and the last point on that, let's be honest. We've talked about it before. The, the Kings are not drawing
1: free agents. So if they can have, you know, Jeremy Lamb under contract for next year, I feel like that's, that's pretty decent for them, you know. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that deal either. But my next deal, uh, this is going to be Jeremy Lamb, and you get off that contract of Jalen LeCue for Will Barton. Now, I don't know if the Nuggets would do this deal. But I would. No, they wouldn't do that. I deal. know, I know. I don't think they would, but I would.
2: I would. Yeah, they, I would too if I'm the Pacers.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I don't think they would do that deal, but that's something, man. I would just love to add Will Barton to that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll
2: we'll just go over that
1: deal every now and then. You know, I'm going to slip something in there and just see if they're not paying attention. All right. But other,
2: what we I got? think the Will Barton thing, though, it's just because his name was the name the Pacers were interested in. Uh, when they were going to go after, uh, when they got Doug McDermott, it was Will Barton's name that was, you know, highly rumored for the Pacers or showing a lot of interest in him. So I think that's why that name is so like, ah, that sounds really good. But to me, I just, I don't know what it would take to get him. And I feel like he's much better than that package you gave him. Like, I I think you have to attach a first because I think Jeremy Lamb's value is like probably close to negative at this point. I'm not going to go that far. No, he's been awful.
1: In the last, you know, little stretch, he the last month,
2: he's not been good yeah, at all. It,
1: no, he, he hasn't. But I'm not going to say that he's a negative. You know, it's uh, it, it. They're not going to do that deal, so that, that's fine. But yeah. my my next trade over here, you know, Lamb and a, and a second round pick, if not two second round picks for Josh Richardson. Uh, I don't think they would do the first one, but if you do two second round picks, I would do it, and I would do it now.
2: Yeah, I see, I'm not sure. I'm trying to gauge the market on Josh Richardson. Somebody actually threw another trade idea at me out on Twitter. It was a Mavericks fan when I I put up my Jeremy Liam that we should trade him, and they said, we'll give you Dwight Powell for him straight up. And so I was like, really? I was like, I thought Dwight Powell was pretty beloved by the Mavericks. And so I actually asked another Locked On host, Nick Engstead, who covers the Mavericks, and he said, he said, if I were the Mavericks, I would do this trade because they could use his shooting, but the Mavericks love what Dwight Powell does for the community, so I don't see it happening. I asked about Richardson. He didn't get back with me yet, so I'm not sure what the value is, but Richardson is still starting, I believe. So it just I, I think that it would be tough to get him. I, I think you might have to try to jump in on a three-team trade here, and if the if the Pelicans think that J.J. Redick is, is going to leave at the end of the season – Maybe you get in a three-team deal there. You send Reddick over to the Mavericks, Josh Richardson to Indiana, and then you give him Jeremy Lamb to the Pelicans. So there's a little bit of scoring there as far as what he does because Richardson is not a scorer at all, no. and he's been pretty underwhelming for the Mavericks this year.
1: Yes, that's why I think that if they can pick up two second-round picks and you're going to get Jeremy Lamb, yeah. it's really it's really not
2: that bad because
1: you got to think about it. They traded two first-round picks to the Knicks. And that poor Zingas deal, you know, they've made other moves. I think that if they have an opportunity to get, you know, some extra picks right over there, it's it's not a horrible deal by any means.
2: Yeah, it's not the worst deal for sure. Like, I, I think it's pretty decent value. I just, I'm just trying, like I said, I can't really figure out. It's, it's the biggest thing for me, and I've said this with some people I've talked to, trying to gauge how other markets view their teams. Like, yeah. I had no idea that Dwight Powell was that beloved by the franchise. Like, I knew that he was a guy they liked, but I didn't know, like, what he does off the court, you know, was that impactful to whether Mm -hmm. they trade him or not. So that was an interesting one to me. Uh, I'll go to my next one here, Fauci. And I've got Jeremy Lamb and Jakar Sampson going to the San Antonio Spurs for Rudy Gay. Um, Rudy Gay is a little bit older. I think someone actually suggested this one on Twitter. So I want to make sure that I don't act like I'm the one that came up with this idea. But Rudy Gay is a name that I've talked with you about before, I know. Um, making a, about $14 million this year. So those two contracts together would give you enough to, uh, you know, insert that trade exception, I believe, if you needed to use it. But I, I think there's something weird with, like, how you can absorb so much money without being in the tax. So it works, but it has to be a certain percentage. I think that's how this trade could work. Obviously, Jakar is not a guy that is, is getting a ton of minutes, and he's an expiring contract making about $1.8 million. You get Rudy Gay, I think he could play a little bit of small ball for I think he would actually be impactful. And then you open up a roster spot as well in case there's a buyout candidate, a la George Hill maybe. And that'd be fun to see if you can maybe get in George Hill on this team as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I love me a good mystery box, open roster spot. You know, that could be anybody. Uh, Rudy Gay, obviously, you know, that that would be the push towards this year because he's going to be a free agent after this year. He is older, you're probably not going to re-sign him, but at the end of the day, at least you get the Lamb contract off the books. Yeah, I think Lamb, I mean, I think Rudy Gay brings more to the table at this point in his career of like being just a bigger body, you know, around six eight, better rebounder, better defender. So, it, and it's also a veteran right there. I mean, Rudy Gay's been around the block. I mean, this, like I've said before, this Pacers team could use more veterans. Uh, I think a trade like this, it's really not a bad deal at all. And to be honest, I think the Spurs probably go for it because I don't think they're going to re-sign Rudy Gay at this point. And they are still a playoff team. I think Lamb keeps them in that hunt at that point, if you are going to lose Rudy Gay and, you know, you have a guy under contract for next year.
2: Yeah, he could be good under Pop's system too, I think. Maybe maybe the Bjorken system with, with Lamb playing the small ball four is just, maybe it's just a little bit, we're asking too much from him, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um I have I think I have one more trade left that I haven't touched on maybe two here but one of them I I think you might have this one as well it's a Cavs trade and it's pretty basic I've got Jeremy Lamb in the second round pick to the Cavs for Torian Prince
1: Ah, I don't have that trade I have a different trade so you know Prince Torian Prince is someone that I actually wanted about a year or two ago Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that right now I mean I don't know what it is I think that He's just not, you know. With Brooklyn, I feel like he they didn't really need him. You sent him over to Cleveland. I don't think it's been that great. Obviously, I haven't not watching many Cavs games right now. Uh, it's pretty disgusting over there. But Jordan Prince actually, he, he does bring a, a bunch to the table. Uh, it's it's not a sexy trade by any means, but at the same point, I'm trying to remember if Prince has money left on his deal moving forward.
2: He's an expiring contract, so that was one of the main reasons I liked it so much.
1: Yeah, so in an expiring look, it's never bad if you're gonna get money off the books. Does it? Does it move the needle for the Pacers this year? Mm, I really don't know.
2: You I don't know. think it moves the needle, but I think that he's someone that could play the four a little bit better. Of course he can. Yes, definitely. actually he does have two years.
1: So that that's I think that was what tipped the scale for me. I, I'm not in love with Torian Prince moving forward. If
2: it's gonna take the money off the books,
1: then that's that's pretty decent.
2: Let me let me look here a little bit more. I know I just to me I, I get that you like Liam's offense, but you don't really need it once you have Warren and Lavert back. And I I just like I like that he's six foot seven. and can play the small ball four and not feel like he'd be a liability because Torian Prince, he's not a great defender, but he's a much better defender, which is not saying much than Jeremy Lamb. Yeah,
1: no, he's not, and he's he's a decent three point shooter. He is. He's a pretty solid three point shooter. So I mean, it's he can you know. Rebound decently. Look, it's not going to blow you away, but I think he probably is a bit more versatile in terms of what we would need. Um, so, you know, it's. I want to say you said there's two more years left on Prince's deal, or is yeah, it one year? Yeah,
2: this year he makes it. The next year he he makes $13 million next year for uh, his final year in that contract, and he'll be 27 at that point. So I think that that's the right age group for this team right here. I, I think that he seems like a good locker room guy. I, he's played on the same team with Karis Lavert, So that definitely could be interesting as well. But I think I think that also similar to the same thing I said with Lamb. I just – if you attach him to another player, you could get a good amount of salary back and it would be an expiring contract that a team might be mm-hmm. interested in.
1: Yeah, I might, I might rather go for an expiring route or
2: uh, – But I'm 200. saying for 21 22 is what I'm saying yeah. for the expiring route. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Torin Prince at thirteen million. I am really not in love with, though.
2: You know, it, it's not that much different than Lamb's contract to me. personally. Ten and personally.
1: a half. Yeah, I mean, you are talking extra two and a half million. I mean, the yeah. Pacers would have to make some cuts. You saw they were right at that tax line, basically. Uh, you know, before. So
2: yeah, I just but once they traded for LeVert and they got off Oladipo's money, I think there was like a five million dollar difference there in contracts. So they were able to save all that money with you know avoiding mm-hmm. the tax. So it just, it just depends, you know, and it just depends on if the Pacers are trying to win now or win later because exactly. personally you're going to add money if you, you know, trade for a guy that's got more than one year on his contract. I just – I just – I'm not – I don't think Lamb fits this roster personally, and mm-hmm. I think Torian Prince does a little bit more, but not to the point where I'm just, like, banging my head over, like, you know, trying to get this deal done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, for my next deal, this is going to be – a little bit of a now and a little bit of a later move. It's going to be Jeremy Lamb, Keelan Martin, and possibly a second round pick. Probably a second round pick, but we'll you know we'll determine which one for Alec Burks and Kevin Knox. Burks' expiring deal, good three point shooter. So you know, yeah, he's not going to help you out really on the defensive side of things. You're getting Kevin Knox, a young player that you could still hopefully develop into you know being a good wing for next year uh Keelan martin like we're not going to use him this year we're just not the second round pick we have a few of them you lose lamb but i think you know you're getting a player in alec burks that is very comparable on offense for the most part i would say lamb's a better offensive player but the difference is you're getting a young player in knox Mm -hmm. what's your thoughts here
2: yeah i think that a lot of fans have thrown in some love for kevin knox (laughs) he's a guy that um He's got the size, you know what I mean? The yeah. size that you want to guard bigger wings. Like he's kind of like uh trading for Torian Prince as like a project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't wanna if you don't wanna pay the 13 million, then this is maybe the route you go. Obviously, New York has a little bit of cap space there, so you don't have yep. to have salaries. I think they have like 18 to 20 million dollars of free cap space. So sure, that makes some sense to me. I, I I wouldn't be as opposed to it. You so, save money
1: for next year too.
2: Yeah, and Alec Burks, like that's a guy like I talked about it last week a little bit. Like it's the same names that we keep throwing out here for these trade ideas just because yep. it it's it's hard to match up salaries it plus is. value plus who's gonna make a move. Um, it doesn't feel like this move would be like a big risky move by New York and throw off their chemistry at all. Mm-hmm. It just gives them another score. Yep. I think the pacers like how much do they value young talent? It's hard to tell based on how they play their guys. Like Goga got three minutes last night. Aaron got nine, I believe it was, and Sumner got twelve. So, you know, it's a veteran-heavy team here, and I kind of like the idea of getting Kevin Knox and just maybe trying to see what kind of project I don't like he it for could next be next
1: year. You know, yeah,
2: but at the same time, if you're bringing back most of your roster, he's he's just going to be like TJ Leaf and not being able to crack the rotation. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, it, it would know what be I tougher. Like, no, no,
1: I, I do. I, that's, that's why it's rolling the dice to basically say, I think that our player development is better than yours in, in terms of the Knicks. And you save some money. So the Pacers would save, I want to say, between like five to $6 million on this deal. And you're getting someone that you could say, hey, look. Like, it, basically this. If you're going to have a, an end-of-the-rotation guy, I would rather have Kevin Knox than like a Keelan Martin, basically. You're right. talking about a, a former top 10 pick wh- who has great size and, and has really good potential. But, you know, hey, let us be the ones to, to firmly decide if there's anything there or not.
2: No, I completely agree. So I, I guess I guess my last trade that I have, Fachi, it's very underwhelming. So I'm not saving my best for last because I kind of threw some of those out there. But it's Jeremy Lamb to Orlando once again for Alfarouk Aminu and you're gonna save about uh, $750,000 on this trade for this year and next year. So about
0: 1.5. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: $5 million over the next two years. I don't think that's that big of a deal. I I, I think that, once again, kind of similar to my point on uh, Bielitsa and Torian Prince, I just think Aminu can play the small ball forward a little bit better. I think defensively, he's a little bit better. Offensively, I talked with Tony about this. You know, the shooting, it's not realistic from three. He's shooting 40% right now, but he's not shooting a ton. I just, I saw him in those Portland series. He's got that playoff experience. To me, I value that. I don't think Orlando is really going to be making the playoffs. You know, They're looking to move off of Evan Fournier and guys like that if they can get something in, in return that they like. I don't necessarily think Fournier is a guy that we need, but I still think he'd be a good player off the bench. Just a lot of money. But uh, Aminu saves you a little bit of money, and I think he can do a little bit more for this team fit-wise than what Jeremy Lamb can do.
1: Defensively, yeah, he's he's a better defender than Lamb. But offensively, it's gross. I mean,
2: I'm looking at it right now. He's just not a scorer. It's just he knows oh, his he, role. He's not he's, trying. Yeah, he's never. But I think been that's a scorer. fine. But I think it, that's fine. It, I don't need Jeremy Lamb scoring if I've got Warren and Lavert back. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah,
1: no, we we don't. But I mean, for Al Camino to pay him that money next year, I don't
2: know. I'm but you're not paying low. Lamb that money next year, and I don't think he's that. I don't think he's better than Amino. Ah, uh, I don't know about that. I don't. What know are about you talking that. about? Coming off that injury, he's not looked good. He looked good for two weeks. That's all we've seen out of Jeremy Lamb since returning from injury.
1: I mean, on the year, he, he's he's. I don't think he's as bad as you think. He's still putting up 11 points per game, which is more than Alfred Camino has done at any point in his career. I mean, look, he's a guy that in the past, when healthy, was able to put up 15 a game. And he's never been an, like, like an you know, inefficient guy. I mean, he's he's a career at like 44 45% shooter where Alfred Camino, I mean, some of it. I mean, he shot 29% last year from the field, 34% this year. I mean, I we get it offensively, that's not his role, but I don't think that we're, you know, if you're going to be paying him, you know, 10 million plus for next year, it's not, it's not
2: great. I don't, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily great, Foch. I'm just. No, it's, it's. Yeah. I'm. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm looking at these box score numbers from Jeremy Lamb, and he he had a lot of negative games here. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: his last six games, he's been
2: rough. Like, this is this is his shooting numbers over the last couple of games. 0 of three, one of nine, four of seven, three of eight, two of seven, two of four, six of yeah. fourteen, five of eight. That was a good game against Chicago that he had. Two of five, and then he had a great game against Detroit, shooting six of seven. But it's just, he's just been too inconsistent. And I just, I go back and look, like the point numbers aren't that great. Two, four, eleven, eight, seven, nine. Like that's the last set. That's the last five games, six yeah. games.
1: No, no, I, I went through the last six. It, it, yeah. It's rough. I mean, he definitely has fallen off of a cliff on the last six games. But, you know, still on, on the year, it, it's, it's not as bad as, as what I think it's being made out to be Alfru Camino. I don't think you're ever going to get, you know, 10 points from really,
2: but I don't want 10 points. I want defense. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't need the points. If I've got McDermott and I've got Aaron holiday and Justin holiday and McConnell off the bench, I don't need his points. Yeah. But how,
1: how many minutes then is Alfru Camino going to be able to log for the Pacers?
2: I mean, maybe 12 to 15, a game. I mean, your rotation is shortened up anyway. Like, if Jeremy Lamb's not even in the rotation at playoff time because of his defensive liabilities, then who cares if you've got Amino or not? You're saving money at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would be surprised if Liv Lamb just completely falls out of the rotation in
2: general. I, I don't think, think he will just yeah. because – here's what I'll say. Like, the defense to Jeremy Lamb is kind of a defense that I can say based on the the, the bench unit. They don't have a guy that can just go get a bucket. I agree. And and Jeremy Liam is probably the only guy that can go out there and get his own bucket. We've seen him make, you know, beauty out of a mess. I, I've seen him hit some of the like craziest shots. It's almost like he is a better score when it's like a broken play and he has to make a shot. That's just kind of his game. I mean, there's there's obviously some offensive things that he did really, really well, but if he gets into like a major shooting slump here, whatever that might be, whether it's with this knee injury or what's going on um he could be out for a while i mean i i'm just saying like production wise like his minutes might keep him out i mean his production might keep him out of the rotation for a while i don't i don't necessarily think he's bad and maybe i'm underselling maybe that's why you're getting a little bit of pushback i'm i'm getting more pushback from you because you think i'm underselling him but i think you probably are overselling him a little bit so maybe we need to come to yeah, maybe. the middle a little bit right here because I- some of the guys you're throwing out in trade ideas form are unrealistic. In oh lives. yeah, no,
1: I I agree. I agree. Well, then but why are think, you throwing them
2: out if you don't think I mean, they really would? Every now happen? and then, but I mean,
1: dude, I mean, look, not all of your trades are perfect. Also, look, these I didn't are say they were.
2: Stuff. I'm just saying a lot of yours. You're like you're throwing out guys like uh, Will Barton. Uh, Will Barton one was bad. The other
1: ones were more realistic. But I'm surprised I didn't get I, a Seth Curry like, one. <laughs> no, I feel like you're trying to give away Jeremy Lamb like he's stale milk. We got spoiled. <laughs> by Jeremy Lamb playing as well as he did right away. It was ridiculous. The guy was dropping, you know, having some games where he scored 20 points fresh off, you know, coming back from being out a year. If he started playing like this in the beginning and then moved his way up towards where he was actually playing when he first came back, we would be like, oh, wow. We just – I think he came back, played too well, and then now this is probably a bit more realistic of – what it's like to come off an ACL tear and miss a year. And there's going to be these games. I I think that we don't need him to put up 18 like before or 17, 20 points, whatever it is. But if you can just steadily give us, you know, 10 to 15 points and not be a horrible defender by any means, it, it would go a good way. Alfred Camino, is he going to be a great defender? I think he'll be a good defender, but he's going to be an atrocious offensive player.
2: Yeah, well, I remember one time the Pacers traded Dentless Shrimp for Derek McKee after Shrimp won six man of the year, but it was that defense that was needed. It wasn't even McKee's scoring. It was the defense that was needed. I'm not even going that far to say like it's that drastic, but I, I think that sometimes you just have to look at fit and roster and what makes the most sense, and, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I'm not trying to argue just about Amino. I'm just talking in general here, but I, I think when it comes to Lamb, your milk analogy makes a ton of sense because – yeah, he was good for a few weeks, but once you open a gallon of milk or you buy a gallon of milk, it only lasts for a couple of weeks before it goes bad. It gets spoiled, and then you have to get rid of it and go buy a new gallon of milk. And <laughs> I'm not trying to sit here and say that, you know, he's a gallon of milk, but it, like it's what it feels like his play's been. It was really yeah. good for that little short period of time by the sell by date. Boom, it got bad, and it was time to move on from it. And I think that's what the Pacers should do here.
1: Oh, yeah, I, it has gotten a bit stale. I'll definitely give you that. I got
2: <laughs> two last trades. Throw them at one me real one,
1: quick. One of them, is probably not going to happen. All right, so <laughs> shocker. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll just go. With, I'll go with this trade more. What do you think? Jeremy Lamb and Keelan Morton potentially a second round pick for Larry
2: Nance Jr. I'm about to happen. They get rid of Nance for that? Probably not. But you'd, you'd have to probably do Lamb in a first round pick.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm out on that. That's the same uh, thing with Thad I, I Young
2: because well, yeah. the, the Bulls are starting Thad Young now. I, I saw that. Uh, yeah, they did. They and did they're going to start win. Thomas Sadoransky as well. So they're all about winning. So, I mean, I think any realistic, like, Thad Young trades out the window, like unless you traded, like, Lamb, Aaron Holiday, and then, like, a pick plus, like, a pick swap or something stupid like that. Yeah, I. but well, the last time we traded a first-round pick for Thad Young, look what happened to us. Yeah, I, I yeah,
1: we're definitely not gonna you know have history repeat itself and trade another first for Thad at this point. Um, the 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 one trade that I did have for Thad, and I don't think they're gonna do it either, it was Lamb, Aaron Holiday, and a second round pick for Thad Young and Chandler Hutchinson, who's just fell completely out of their rotation. Really, um, Hutchinson still a first round pick. Thad Young, I would love to get my hands on, I really would. Aaron Holiday, I think it gives them someone young. Moving forward, and you're also still getting, you know, Lamb and Holiday that can help right now for the Bulls, but it seems like their asking price for Thad Young is just too much and that this deal is not going to get it done.
2: Well, you got to think it's not just the Pacers competing for him, it's the other it's everybody, teams. It's a, lot of teams, it's a lot. lot of teams. A lot of teams, a lot of teams want them. You're probably talking at least 20 teams that would take him, and he's at a very obtainable contract that you can match salaries with most of your roster, you know, try to figure out something. I think that a trade that we didn't really throw out there because we don't think he's trading or going to be traded, but that's Goga Batadze. Yeah. And they have Wendell Carter Jr. as their center, but they've not been impressed. Um, I I think that Chicago could be a little bit intrigued by Goga. And maybe if you threw Goga in there instead of Lamb or instead of uh, Aaron, that that might be more enticing to them just to get a young asset at center, a guy that's actually able to block shots and, um, you know, he's he's definitely a work in progress. That's obviously yeah. why he's not in the Pacers rotation. But, you know, I think that that could be a decent package just because of how young he is and what you're getting. But I don't think Indiana's ready to move on from Goga anytime soon. So that's why I just feel like that, that young package, it's just I'm just ruling it out because I don't want to get my heart broken. I think oh, the only yeah, realistic Pacer to, to bring back here is George Hill.
1: I know, I know. And hey, if it comes down to that, I'm still fine with it. I, I would love to – I think everybody would love to get Thad Young back, but it just feels like if the Bulls are going to trade Thad Young, it's going to be for uh, – it's going to at least involve a first-round pick. And I don't yeah. want the Pacers to attach one here when you're only really looking at getting a year and a half of Thad Young, and that's probably about it.
2: Yeah, I, so I think I think if you had to pick one of your, your favorite trade idea that you came up with that's actually realistic, what would you say your number one is? Uh, probably,
1: probably the deal for George Hill, uh, J- Jeremy Lamb and a uh, second round pick for, for George Hill or Aaron Holiday and Jeremy Lamb for, uh, Terrence Ross.
2: Okay. So I am going to say that as much as I love George Hill, I don't think the Pacers need help at that position as much as they need the no, big, the, the, the four spot. So I personally think the one that I would go with because of the money situation is Jeremy Leander the Kings for Bielitsa. I think that that one's probably my favorite just based on what this team needs and what, you know, the contract situation. But I, I won't lie. The more I look at it, I'm talking myself into the Spurs one to get Rudy Gay. I, I think that Rudy Gay is still impactful. And I think that he could be a benefit to this team off the bench. So I, I like that idea as well, foch I just – One of those two makes the most sense because we need a four at this point.
1: No, I completely agree we do. that. That's more of a bigger need than getting another two-guard because if you bring in George Hill, then at that point, Sumner's probably not going to really be playing much. I mean, you would just imagine. Aaron's out of the
2: rotation.
1: It would eat into Aaron's minutes, so it's like, Two-guard is not the biggest need, especially not, you know, another backup point guard when you have McConnell playing well and you have Brogdon, and, you know. So, yeah, the Bielitsa, I, I think I would like that move. Rudy Gay, I'd like it too. Um, they both seem good deals that don't bring back money for next year. So, at, at the worst, that's a positive.
2: Yeah, and and the thing, like, with the one we talked about where I, I did the three-team trade, like, obviously, getting George Hill, Terrence Ross, like the guys you mentioned, are guys that I would really like, but I think one's more of a wing and one's more of a guard, but I'm getting rid of two wings and a guard to get him. So I think that if you're getting rid of those guys, you're bringing in guys to replace them in the rotation. But if you're basically getting rid of Lamb for George Hill, you know, George Hill's not big enough to be a wing. So no, no. now, you know, you can't play small ball four with him. So you're looking at putting McDermott down there, obviously. Um, I think that a back, I think a backcourt of George Hill and McConnell off the bench would be fun with, with a team like McDermott, Sabonis, and Justin Holiday once fully healthy, but big picture here, George Hill's in his 30s, and Aaron Holiday and Edmund Sumner are hopefully parts of your future. And I, I think that the experience is nice and everything, but I would almost be more intrigued. to, You know, this is going to sound bad if I say this. I don't know if I should say it or not, but it's like if you don't, if you're not sure about McConnell, then I think maybe. Uh, let George be the backup point guard if you move on from McConnell. But I, I just think McConnell's been too imp- too important to this team in their regular season success to really move on from him right now. So I, I, I really just think Jeremy Lamb is the only guy that's tradable at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Look, I, we wanted to obviously have the focus be on Lamb, so try to make him the centerpiece of each deal. But the thing is, it's just, you know, it, it's the Pacers are in such a tough spot because they're not at that, you know four or five, six seed like they were before, you know, so most of these deals are to try and make that push towards winning this year, but a week from now, if things aren't going
2: well, then all of a sudden, yeah, we are going in a different direction on most of these trades. yeah, and if Levert didn't come back as soon as I mean if Levert came back like a week later, I think would be much more sour on on the uh, oh yeah evaluation of these players but I think Aaron's been really good since coming back from the from the all-star break I think that I think Sumner really I really think this is what it is Sumner being put into the rotation and playing more minutes than him is challenging him and I think sometimes competition is good for a player to see that that player is getting their minutes that they you know that they lost you lost these minutes earn them back and you know maybe he's lost them for good because Sumner continues to play well but you know I don't think Sumner has been that you know, overwhelming the last couple of games. I've actually thought Aaron's been better than Sumner the last two games from what I saw. But I think that that's the route that you have to go is like, hey, you know, you got a guy and Evan Sumner that's really pushing to, to get some minutes. And, and if you don't figure it out, you know, you're going to be riding the pine and you're not going to be able to get a chance to get past, you know, him in the rotation and, and you could be the odd man out. Yeah. Very, very well could be. I mean, you still want to be able to get those two
1: guys a a lot of rep as much reps as you can. It's really hard when you're only playing some of them, you know, eight, nine minutes, because then it feels like it comes down to did you make that last shot or not? And that kind of defines if you had a good game or not. And I think that's still a little tough. Like Aaron Holiday, for instance, last night, nine minutes, you know, he was two or four shooting. If he goes one of four then it's like eh, you know eh, but it just feels like you got to find a way to be able to get these guys a few more minutes with Levert coming back and then you throw jeremy lamb in there i i don't think any of those guys are going to be getting more minutes
2: no they're and once you get tj back this rotation is going to be tight i mean a man rotation come playoff time in the middle of may we got two months from now but if they really want to be in that you know rotation for playoff time it's it's gonna to be tough to come by, and whether or not you think Lamb deserves it or not, he's uh, he's definitely got the years of experience on him, and he's got the size on him. Because I think both mm-hmm. those guys are a little bit undersized. Doesn't mean that they should get minutes over them just because you know. I mean, Lamb shouldn't get minutes over them just because he's got the size and no, not at all, and the experience. But that does play a little bit of uh, uh, impact in it. And I think I think Lamb was someone that I talked about a lot that the Pacers missed last year in the playoffs, but I just think that injury is is holding him back a little bit. Uh, coming back from it, like you said, Fachi, it was great at first, and then it's just taken a little bit of a dip. I think a lot of it's just because expectations probably were too high because of how I Brady so. played. I, I think so. He really did spoil
1: us early on. I mean, if he was doing this in the beginning, I really wouldn't have batted an eye. probably would have been the excuse, the crutch, whatever. He's coming off an ACL. Now he played so well that now we're expecting better play, and lately just flat out have not gotten it.
2: Yeah, so all right, everybody, that wraps it up for our show today. Hope you guys enjoyed the Jeremy Trade Talk and the return and the debut of Karis Levert after the incredible story of him overcoming what he had to go through. Just, just incredible. So Fachi, where can the people find us at?
1: You can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. You can find my co-host Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden MBA. I'm on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. Find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk.
2: And at the end of the day, when the paces are playing, there's only three words that you can scream from your living room couch.
0: Let's go Pacers! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.